Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Niara Sabali because she was phenomenal. Um, she was matched up against Nancy Mulkley, like you said, who has the five inches, but it didn't matter. I mean, she was making tough finishes at the basket, excellent defense in the post. She was impeccable off the pick and roll. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Emerald Sports, episode two. I am Brendan Ferber, joined as always by my co-host Carlos Pimentel. Carlos, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, man. Another great week and another week in the books and another great performance from both the teams. The men's put on a dominant showcase in front of all the fans at Matt Knight against the University of Washington. Our women's went up to the University of Washington, pulled out a hard-fought win. In today's episode, we will talk about beating the Huskies and what this means for the Ducks, momentum going forward, and what the next week will look like for both teams. What did you see from the women's team? Well, well, there's a will, there's a way, I believe is the old adage. Am I right in that? I didn't think the game was spectacular. You know, their performance didn't blow me away. Namely, I think the three-point shooting was a little off. Dahina Pow Pow, who has been phenomenal lately, struggled a bit. She shot two from nine from the floor and only hit one three. But Endia Rogers, who transferred in from USC, which, sidebar, makes me feel a lot better about losing Travis Dye to USC because we got India, you know, was huge. She popped off for 23 points, shot at a 50% clip, and hit three three-pointers. She never slowed down, was huge at the end of the game, which is important because, you know, the Ducks haven't been playing in a lot of close games lately. You know, they've been on fire. So the fact that they were able to keep resilient was huge. Yeah, I agree. Um... You know, Tina Popow coming off of uh, a big game against UConn, you know, looking forward. We were talking last week, you know, maybe this will be the game that she keeps popping off. Um, a little slow start, but yeah, Rogers, man, she was shooting lights out that game. She was incredible, yeah. You know, I, I was a little mystified at what Washington was thinking schematically because, you know, the Ducks have shooters on the women's team. That's no secret. We run out four guards. We have the post. And they were they kept playing like under the screen and kind of letting us shoot, which which didn't I didn't really get. I'm thinking maybe they wanted to just keep pace with the Ducks. You know, Washington, they don't have a, a great women's team this year. Actually, they're second to last in the Pac-12 in the standings right now. They actually are in last place, 0-4 in conference. So, you know, I just I gotta give props to Kelly Graves, our head coach, for not changing anything up when he needed to. He was very patient, and luckily, India was able to step up. And we saw uh, quarter by quarter, you know, this is, you know, first quarter, 19 to 15. The Ducks had a nice scoring quarter. And then we go second quarter, 15, 15, third quarter, 17, 17. So the game is starting to really tighten up. And being one of the last teams in the Pac-12, I, start, I was starting to think, you know, what, what is going to happen here? I hope that they don't drop this one. Uh, but then they pull it out. The defense shows up at the end. Um, the Ducks win 68-61. You got a big player. I just want to touch on uh, Nancy Mulkey from Washington, who our tallest is, um, or who was guarding her, 
uh, Sabali has five inches on her. So that was a huge, huge difference going from Washington's offensive perspective. You know, they were going inside, 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 but the Ducks held their own. The Ducks held their own with what you said, that four guard, one post lineup. Um, it was impressive. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Niara Sabali because she was phenomenal. She was matched up against Nancy Mulkley, like you said, who has the five inches, but it didn't matter. I mean, she was making tough finishes at the basket, excellent defense in the post. She was impeccable off the pick and roll. Um, her stat line at the end of the game was 20 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and four steals, which is more than UW had for their whole team. She had more steals than, than UW entirely. Yeah, I can't credit her enough. She's my game MVP for this game. And we needed it because not only Tahina Pow Pow kind of struggled a little bit, but Sedona Prince struggled a little bit as well. She went 0 for 6 after playing, you know, fantastic over these past few games. So we needed that post presence because Washington is a very tall team. And we're not, you know, I feel, I feel like we're more of an offensive lights out shooting team. And this game, it was the polar opposite. We played defense and we were excellent on the post. And Dia Rogers and Niara Sabala looked like vintage Shaq and Kobe out there. It was awesome. It was amazing. Um, and the defense, uh, that's what we're, that's what I am going to credit as the MVP of the game, the Ducks defense. Because you look at the turnovers, Washington, 17 turnovers to the eight turnovers to Oregon. But the points off the turnovers was big. Oregon, 16 points off a turnover compared to the four for the Washington Huskies. That right there speaks volume of when you have a hard-fought game. Those hustle stats right there is what puts you above the other team. It is. Defense wins championships. And I mean, we don't have to tell, you know, maybe people who go to school here at Oregon are just are big Oregon fans. It's not easy to go up into Seattle and beat the Huskies. Same vice versa, them coming here. It's a huge rivalry. You know, people, the, I mean, these games get a lot of press in the Pac-12. And we, we were resilient. We stuck with it. We hit all four of our last four shots, which is huge because the margin was so thin. You know, 68-61 was the final. So we needed it. And, I mean, I'm going to touch back on Niara Sabali. She was awesome. Uh, the Washington front corn accounted for almost 60% of their points. So the guards also played excellent defensively. You know, Tahina Pow Pow may have struggled a little bit in the scoring range, but excellent defense. You mentioned how many turnovers was it? Or, uh, four, 14 turnovers. Yeah, total. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. And I think, I think you're right. The defense, we got to credit them. That's, I think that's the reason Excuse the me. women's won. Sorry, uh, 17. I just want to say correct. Yeah, 17 turnovers for uh, Washington. But I'm glad you brought up the rivalry because Washington is the team. If you're an Oregon fan or you you go to the school um, and you're a sports person, you know Washington is the team that you want to beat. You know, there's the Oregon State rivalry, the in the in-state rivalry, but looking outside and looking at the Pac-12, Washington is Oregon's rivalry there. There is that beef there between the two. Um, and I'm just glad that the women's team went up there and showcased that they are the team to beat. They are becoming the team to beat in the Pac-12, which reminds me, they are number 19 now in they the country. Are, yeah, for the first time since early, early December, uh, the women's team is now back in the AP poll, uh, which is awesome going forward. You know, we still have... Uh, the Pac-12 women's is a pretty... It's a good conference this year. You got Stanford and UCLA. Um, just to take a peek back at the standings here... Um, it is Stanford and UCLA uh, leading at 5-0 and and 4-1. and Then you have the Ducks at 3-1 and in conference, Arizona 4-2, and 
Oregon State two and one, Arizona State one and one, and then you get into kind of some of the some of the struggling teams a little bit. Wazoo only is is two and three. Colorado, USC are tied for two and four. Utah one and two. Who the Ducks play next? And then Cal and Washington bringing up the rear at zero and three and zero and four. They have yet to win a game. But to dive back into the game recap, uh, I think a little reason that the women's team struggled a little bit was the bench was kind of off. Elise Hurst was our leading scorer with only five points. So you want to see a little more production there. Like I said, Sedona Prince didn't have her best night, but the fact that Andia Rogers and Niara Sabali were able to step up gives me hope that we have enough depth that, you know, it doesn't matter if your best player struggles a little bit. This is college basketball. It's going to happen from, from game to game. But we were able to plug and play other players and we got the job done. I agree. And you look at, you know, the Ducks in a shoot phenomenal from the three-point range. You know, they they shot 27.3% from the three. So that right there, if a couple made threes, this game turns into a potential blowout. But for them to still shoot poorly from the three-point line and still pull it out just shows that it was the defense. This defense made a difference in this game. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, next up to get into the forecast a little bit, the game against Washington State has been postponed. COVID outbreak. We saw the same thing with the men's team. So next up is Utah, who I just highlighted is one and two in conference. They play tomorrow. We're recording this on a Tuesday. So they play Wednesday, the 26th of January. Uh, What are you looking for in that game? I'm looking for the energy. Um, The energy is what I'm looking for. You're at home. You have a potential to get on a four game winning streak. And what better way to do it than at home against a struggling Utah team? Yeah, I agree. Uh, Utah is definitely on a slide right now. You said they were struggling. They've lost three of their last five. That doesn't mean it's going to be an easy win. They're a very young team. The player I want to highlight for them is Gianna Neepkins. She's a freshman guard. She's been getting more and more minutes as the season goes on. Uh, She's averaging 15 over the last three games, shooting at 50%, 80% from three from the last game. So she's someone to watch for. So I'm, I'm looking for the guard challenge here. The guards, um, they struggled against Washington um, defensively, but we can see that shift here. We can see uh, we have a, you know, like you said, freshman guard coming up. She's getting increased minutes. She's shooting well from the three. Um, Washington did shoot better than Oregon percentage-wise. So this is a chance for the guards to kind of step up, really show that uh, they can play hard defense against a good three-point shooter. It's encouraging definitely for me watching the Washington game and seeing how we played from the perimeter because Utah doesn't really have a big post threat like UW does where they actually have like three posts. One of them is 6'9". If I were Kelly Graves, which I by no means am, (laughs) I would probably blitz the guards a lot, be really aggressive, try to force turnovers because you got Niara Savali playing down low who can match up against a 6'9 Washington player. So, which Washington, uh, Utah doesn't really have. This is a good opportunity. This is a, a fantastic agree. opportunity. And I think looking at the way, you know, we mentioned earlier, and we're going to mention it more times in the future too, the four guard, one post set offense and defense that the Ducks run. Being able to play big players like Washington only sets us up for better performance in the future. So when we play a team Utah that's coming up tomorrow where they don't have a phenomenal 
post or a large post that is going to give us trouble, that just screams opportunity there. Let's get out. Let's run the ball, which the Ducks have been showing that they're great at. The fast break is where they're successful. Um, You look at Washington. Let's touch back. 10 to 2 fast break points. That just shows that they want to get out running. And when they get those turnovers, they're going to get out and they're going to push the ball. Yeah, I mean, I like what you said about opportunities and because it's probably a redemption arc for Tahina too. You know, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to match her up against Neepkins. You know, I mean, it'll be good to see you get your your kind of leader. I know she's she's very young. She's a sophomore. Um, but that's an opportunity for her to reinsert herself. Overall, I mean, obviously, we're not in the locker room. But I would assume the team, as far as like a mindset goes, is doing very well. They're back in the AP poll. They're coming off a win against a rivalry team. So and they're back at home. I don't see how they lose this game, knock on wood. But we'll just have to see what happens. The, uh, Utah is a very young team. They only have one upperclassman and not much of a post threat. So I really like, I, I think we're, we're set up for success here. I like our chances here. And let me just add something here. Here's a question for all of our listeners and you as well. Will we ever see Washington State play again this year? <laughs> I am so confused no. here. I don't think they're finished. I don't know. I don't know. It's not just the men's. It's not just the women's. We're seeing Washington State sports completely wiped out, not playing no more because of COVID protocols. Washington State, please get it together. It's we so want to see some games going on here. It's really tough to see. And we were talking about last week how we didn't know how, you know, the team would respond, specifically the men's, which is a great transition. They responded impeccably. They demolished demolished the Huskies with a score of 84 to 56. I don't even know how in-depth we can go here. It was just pure domination from the Ducks. Man, we were both there. That energy that they had in that game was incredible. Let's just say that I haven't seen a dominant performance like that ever since being here at Oregon. Going and seeing that was amazing. It was a, it was a firsthand experience that I hope that they can keep this going the whole time. We look at the first period. Let me just start off by saying 48 to 13 in the first half. Yeah, it was that big. And what did we say? We, we knew it was going to be a problem when Washington came out with those shooting shirts. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it should have been a sign right away. Right away. I mean, Washington, I have a question for Get you. Get it together, guys. What, what are those? I'm, I'm, I'm really puzzled. I was trying to figure it out. I was sitting here talking to you, Brennan, that... I'm like, I can't tell if it's a, a windbreaker, a fleece zip up. I, I just, I didn't know. It looks like if you made parachute pants a jacket. Exactly. Like it, it was, and then they had the, it was a disaster. We don't need to get into that. This is not fashion hour at Emerald Sports, but 13 to 48, the Ducks had it won in the first half. I mean, it was, it was, it might've been, it might as well have been 76 to two. The defense was dominant. They had five steals in three minutes. I counted. I was there. I had my little notepad. I felt like a scout. <laughs> he did. And the Huskies had 14 turnovers. Not one assist in the first half. Not one. You see that the the Ducks defense, I'm I'm all on I'm all in on defense. The du- the women's and the men's, but the men's more importantly, like we said, 13 to 48 in the first half, but Washington couldn't find a bucket. They shot. They they definitely went to try to get their shot. They shot threes. They drove to the basket. They dished it inside. They shot 14.81% in that first half. 
Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And one thing I want to highlight is they neutralized Terrell Brown Jr. He was the guy we were looking at saying, okay, we don't know how we're going to play this guy. He's, he can, he's a bucket. He can score. He played 34 minutes. He was on the court a lot, more than any other UW character, uh, player, sorry, and scored 14 points, and eight of those were free throws. Three from six from the field. Three from 16. Three for 16. Excuse me. Um, yeah. And one thing I noticed about the Ducks is that they didn't really run any traps. Like I was talking, like potentially talking about running the traps and trying to, you know, isolate them as much. They went man. They wanted to get man on man and they took full advantage of that. Yeah. Dana Altman has the utmost trust in his players. Oregon, uh, Washington did try to trap Will Richardson, which is the only thing I saw in the game. Uh, that that maybe I think they want to work on because there were a few times where it not just Will Richardson, but a couple of our players would get isolated and would kind of panic a little bit. They didn't know what to do. Most of the time, they were able to kick it back out and we were able to keep going. But, you know, boxing out was a problem for like 30 seconds and then we were just fine. Uh, the player that I had so much fun watching was Frank Kepnong. He came in off the bench. Wow. I mean, this guy... He had nine points, but which shocks me. It felt like he had 33. He had two like monster dunks in the first half that really set the tone for the game going forward. His play is that play that you look at in the game and you can't look at the box score. You got to watch the game to understand how impactful he was. You mentioned those two dunks. Boy, did that light up the arena when he bammed those. Those are the type of energy plays coming off the bench that really makes a huge difference. Like I said, you can't look at the box score when it comes to his play. You got to watch the game and you got to understand that he brought the energy off the bench. He did. And we needed it because if he hadn't had that game, I think the, the flow might've been a little different. I got to give credit to Washington's Nate Roberts, the junior forward at six eleven. I thought he played really well against Infali Dante, actually. Infali Dante, they had to pull out a little earlier because, you know, he wasn't really, he wasn't getting the looks that he's used to because Nate Roberts is just a huge, I gave like a player comp to Dwight Howard. He reminds me of him, not just because of his hair. <laughs> but yeah, Kepnon came in and, I mean, played beautifully. And you and you got to give credit to Dana Altman for making that switch. And you got to give credit for uh, Kepnon coming off the bench and bringing the energy. Um, and that just shows that bench play does matter. It does matter. Um, not just with Kepnon, but also with uh, Nate Roberts coming off the bench. He sh- brought energy for Washington to kind of shut down uh, Dante when he was in. Not really shut him down as much. I mean, he shot three for four, so he was pretty consistent from the field. Only played 19 minutes. So that just really showed that whatever he was doing made a difference. Um, we were calling for Nate Roberts. We wanted him to see more more minutes in there. At least we were like, this guy's playing good. Why isn't he getting more minutes in there? You know, we're not coaches. No. But you would think that that would be a difference. And let me just add another thing I was kind of confused um Washington they struggled straight off the bat um they got in a huge hole and you I didn't see Washington press at all until the second half they didn't run a full court defense until the second half when they were already down big so I'm not sure where the level of effort was gonna come from to try to get back into this game. They looked so flat. And I feel like the reason the score, the margin closed a little bit in the second was because the Ducks slowed down. Not really because Washington picked up. Because, uh, but if you look at the score, I mean, 
it was 84 to 56. A lot of those points for Washington came in garbage time. You know, because we had such a lead, we were able to play a lot of young guys. Like you said, some bench players stepped up. Uh, Biddle, five-star recruit, scored for the first time since December. It was great to see him out there. Um, and then a threshold I kind of want to highlight. Of course, Will Richardson balled as per usual and hit a 1,000 career points. So congratulations to him. There it is. Props to Will. You got to give credit where it's due. Absolutely phenomenal. He's been playing lights out. We touched on him. Two-time Pac-12 Player of the Week already. Um, don't be surprised if he gets it again. He's really putting his name out there for Pac-12 Player of the Year. I'm saying it right now. Um, this guy is playing lights out, and he's stepping up big when it matters most. Yeah, Washington, you know, they're sitting at 9-9 uh, nine and nine now, 4-4 four and four in the Pac-12, but these are the games you have to win. If you, if you want to push forward and solidify yourself in the Pac-12, and especially the Pac-12 North, these are the games you win. The guy was lights out. I don't know what more to say. In the first half, the Ducks were shooting at 58.3% and the Huskies 18.2%. That shows you the gap. The stats speak for themselves, ladies and gentlemen. Jacob Young, another one of our guards that played phenomenal. He was doing his thing. He was in the mid-range, you know, dribbling, pulling up from the key. He had three steals. I think he's our best defensive player. That's just my personal opinion. I was so impressed with Jacob Young. Washington, they ran like a zone the whole time because that's what I noticed was the big difference. Oregon running man-to-man and then Washington running a zone. But Jacob Young wasn't afraid of that. You know, the zone, they, they want to hold down the middle of the court. Um, they want you to kind of swing the ball around and trap you in the corner. But Jacob Young said, I'm going to go get my bucket. I'm going to dribble to the middle and I'm going to shoot in your face. And he did that. And he made it. He shot 50% from the field. I mean, what more could you ask for? I mean, he was. And he's not huge. He's 6'3", 185, which is quite tall. But against a Washington team who I felt was bigger, you know, especially in their starting lineup with Roberts and Eric Matthews up front. I mean, the thing is, for both the men's and the women's team, we don't have height. But we have coaching, we have team skills, we move the ball, you know, and it's enough. And we play defense. And Quincy Gurrier, another guy I have to highlight, four for seven from the field, two from three, only missed one three-pointer, 12 points. He was awesome. Almost all of our starters scored in double digits. Only Dante, who did only get 19 minutes because, you know, we had Kepnon coming in. And Devion Harmon, who scored nine. Five assists, though, Devion Harmon. He, he was facilitating out there. Um, which makes up for that for that point differential. But uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was Riley Soren. Do you have a hide on this guy? Because when he checked into the game, you heard everybody in there like, this guy is huge. This guy is huge. He was a fan favorite for those at Matt Knight that night. He is seven foot five. Seven that foot five, 255. Yeah, that's that is a big individual. A lot of the students in the student section were calling for him to get in the game just because he was so big. The The fans wanted to see him. Yeah, we knew it was a blowout. We were ahead. We were playing lights out that game. So the fans wanted to see players that they nor- didn't normally see play more minutes. You know, you might as well evaluate the talent you have. I, for one, was stoked to see Nate Biddle. I know we both were. Yeah, this guy's seven foot. He's he was a five star recruit, four star recruit, something like that. Big, you know, out of central Oregon. Yeah, I was I was very happy to see him on the court and he played well. 
He did. And he is uh he's Oregon's highest graded recruit um of all time. And he is on the ducks and he was able to get in there. Um yeah, it was garbage time, but he he got minutes. And uh that's one of those things that you touched on getting those guys in there and late games is going to start prepping them for later on down the road, potentially next year. Watch out for Nate Biddle. Definitely. And tournament, tournament, maybe knock on wood, knock on wood. But you know, when we get into playing those big 10 teams and some from the big 12, they have height. They do. They do. And you got, and we're, you know, we are already thinking about tournament time. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I want to go, man. <laughs> so I want to be there. Yeah, we 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 got to figure out how to get there. We're so excited to see this team. I mean, we're we're putting together wins. We're putting together pieces here and there, defensively, offensively. That is really showing that hey, Pac-12, we're here. We're ready to go and bring your best players when you play. The Ducks are back. They are back, and they play tonight, the men's team, against Colorado, who are on two consecutive losses to USC and UCLA. A bit of a slide. You know who did beat USC and UCLA? I think I think I do know who beat them. Yeah. Um, I think it might have been the quack. We were just talking about it. Yeah. It was the quack. It was the quack. Quack attack. Quack attack. Touch back to last week if you're interested in what we had to say about USC and UCLA. All I got to say is go Ducks. Skodaks. Uh, they have uh, back to Colorado. They have a very strong front court, uh, led by sophomore forward Jabari Walker and senior forward Evan Batty, who stands at six eight two fifty nine. Yeah, Colorado. They were. I think their fans are probably a little disappointed because they were a five seed in the tournament last year. They played very well. They come back this year, and it's a little different. You know, they're on a two game slide. They dropped a lot in the standings, which we can get into in a second. Overall, I think this will be a better game than Washington because being on this game slide, Colorado's probably looking at this as an opportunity to reinstate themselves in the Pac-12. I think they have more to lose and more to gain than Washington does. So, yeah, I'm very excited for this game tonight. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. And you know what that made me think of is the Ducks. When they went to L.A. and they fought, faced UCLA and USC, we were kind of in that same position, you know, come on off of some tough losses and we had more to prove and they had more to lose. We fought hard. We won. I hope that doesn't happen tonight, but I think that we have more to lose, but a better opportunity because what Colorado is going to come in and they're going to fight hard. Um, we can expect that right off the back. They got two strong forwards, which we've seen forwards make a difference in this in this game especially with the the scheme that the ducks are running i think that if the ducks can pull this out we're going to be moving we're going to be the team to talk about more than we already are i agree i mean you talked about the front court of colorado a little bit the good news is their entire offense kind of runs through them i mean i was watching some highlights of the colorado game against i believe it was ucla and their guards were a little sloppy, a lot of turnovers. And we saw that in Washington. So if we have the, I don't think uh, we need to change anything schematically. Uh, Dana Altman, I think the, the same lineup should be fine. I'm looking for another big game from Kev Nong and hopefully in Fali Dante, you know, our two bigs. But yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the, we have the favorable matchup here, definitely. Both their guards are underclassmen. We have all vets, you know, with Richardson, Jacob Young. These are guys that, 
have more experience, I think are going to be more composed, especially because we're playing at home. We actually have a crowd, which UCLA didn't. So yeah, I mean, I, I really, I think this is, I think this is a win, knock on wood. We hope so. I don't want to look foolish, but do you have any score predictions? I think this is going to be, it's going to be a hard fought one. Um, I'm looking at 72-65 Ducks. Okay, 72-65. I will say 75-67. All right. I think it'll be relatively close, but I think we get the win. I think it. I agree. Um, biggest thing for me is going to be defense. Um, I'm going to preach defense this whole episode. This is my episode of defense because it matters. It matters. Um, and especially when you have two forwards, uh, that are, that can, that have proven to be able to score, um, and get rebounds. Rebounds are huge. Um, we saw that Washington, that the Ducks struggled. You mentioned boxing out. They struggled a little bit on getting rebounds. So this is something that we should look out for, are going to look out for against Colorado is uh, focusing more on getting those rebounds. Yeah, and I'm going to double back on what I said about, you know, changing things schematically. Scratch that. I think there's one thing, one thing that puzzled me a little bit. Dana Altman knows a lot more about basketball than me, by the way. But they had uh, Gourier playing up top a little bit at the beginning of the Washington game, which was weird because we weren't a three-guard set. You know, I I don't really see the need for that unless they were trying to run you know, something different kind of to confuse Washington, but it worked. So you might see more of that tonight. Uh, but with, I mean, what Colorado's front court, you might not, you know, it, it's really going to be interesting to see how they approach this because Jabari Walker and Evan Batty for Colorado, uh, Walker is averaging 13.4 points per game with 8.4 rebounds and Batty 12.3 points per game with 4.6 rebounds. So these guys are good players. A big reason Colorado was so productive last year and they're definitely the players to watch. The ones we need to defend because defense wins championships. And we can't stress it enough. New segment, guys, this week. We are going to acknowledge our pro ducks right now. They do them at the, at the football games. We're bringing that to Emerald Sports. Pro ducks are Eric Armstead in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers and Chrissy D, Chris Duarte. Eric Armstead, was it huge? Let me just touch on the 49ers. That game, if anybody watched playoffs this weekend, you were not disappointed. We saw three games, one by a field goal, and then the last game of the weekend go into overtime, an absolute slobber knocker. But Eric Armstead, he played phenomenal. Two sacks against Green Bay, huge. Green Bay, I know they had struggles on their offensive line throughout the season, but two sacks on Aaron Rodgers. I think he had four tackles for the game. That right there is a difference maker on the D-line. Well, Eric Armstead has been having a tremendous season all season. It wasn't just in the championship. The guy has six sacks on the season, 63 combined tackles. He's been balling out. Big part of that, that edge presence, you know, him and Nick Bosa, but, you know, Nick Bosa's Ohio State. We don't talk about that. Eric Armstead is our hero here. And then Chris Duarte in the NBA. Uh, rookie for the Indiana Pacers, killing it. 13.6 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 2.3 assists, and 1.1 steals. Steal, I guess it's closer to an individual than a plural. But uh, a game I want to highlight last week was against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Chris tied his career high in the NBA with 27 points and was huge in that win over Golden State. 
huge overtime win for the Pacers. Um, and that 27 points definitely boosted them. I went back and looked, and Chris Duarte has been gaining minutes. This guy is playing 30-plus minutes almost a game, and he is being a difference for Indiana, who is looking, who has been talking about moving their core players. So this could be a big opportunity for pro-duck Chris Duarte to become the new face of Indiana. If they were ever to start a rebuild, I think they would be more than comfortable having Chris step up big time because he's shown that he can. Uh, yeah, that's just, you know, props to Eric and Chris, the products representing us well at the next level. And we'll be seeing, we'll be covering more products in the future um, throughout the week. But these players uh, in the NBA, we have uh, players like uh, Chris Boucher, Chris Duarte, um, Dylan Brooks. Dylan the Brooks. Memphis Grizzlies is huge. Huge. Yeah, he is out with injury. Same with Bull Bull. Um, and then we also see Somebody to look out for, Troy Brown. He's been playing big minutes for Chicago. He actually started um, the, their past game, huge minutes. So look out for him to start getting some more minutes and more playing time in Chicago for the products. Absolutely. And Eric Armstead, of course, in the NFC Championship. We'll see how that plays out for him. We'll see playing this weekend. Go support, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I think that's all we had. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Emerald Sports, and we will see you same time next week.